Well, in Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 7, Jesus says to his disciples, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. For those of us who live in Atlanta and in North Georgia, there are lots of ways that we can celebrate Christmas. You can drive to Lake Lanier and take in the magical nights of light. You'll find seven miles of illuminated characters and millions of twinkling lights. But the sensory overload will cost. A weekend car load is 53 bucks. And if you choose to hang out at the skating rink or roast a s'more on the fire pit, add another $24.99. Closer to home, you can take in a Stone Mountain Christmas. Along with the elaborate light exhibitions, there's the Polar Express 4D movie, Christmas shows, a Christmas parade, Snow Mountain, even a laser show. But again, Stone Mountain charges $34.95 a head. If you like the sounds of Christmas, you can visit the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. They host nightly concerts throughout the Christmas season, from Handel's Messiah to A Very Merry Christmas, featuring the famous Yale University ensemble, the Whiffin Poofs. The AOS has something for everyone. But a night at the symphony, it's steep. Tickets run from $29 to $69. If this Christmas you'd like to take in a performance of the famous ballet, The Nutcracker, then Metro Atlanta provides several options at different price points. The Atlanta Ballet performs at the Fox Theater, where tickets run from $64 to $165. If you'd like to save a little money, the Gwinnett Ballet's version is quite a value, at $31. Callaway Gardens offers a grand Christmas tradition for Atlanta residents. Fantasy in Lights is ranked by National Geographic in the top 10 Christmas light displays in the world. As you travel through the magical Christmas garden and Snowflake Valley, you'll see 8 million twinklers on 735 miles of string. There are enough lights at Callaway Gardens to decorate 26,600 Christmas trees. But again, the tickets are costly. $35 for an adult, $17.50 for children. As you can see, an Atlanta family can have lots and lots of fun at Christmas time. But you've probably noticed by now a common theme. It will be expensive fun. For a family of four to take in all these events I've mentioned, expect to spend over $1,000 just in admission fees. A Christmas celebration can be costly. And here's the irony. We spend money on Christmas tickets and we're charged for Christmas celebrations and there's a fee to participate in Christmas activities while the very first Christmas, which was the best Christmas ever, was absolutely free of charge. What has happened to Christmas? In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends his disciples out two by two. 
And he tells them, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, work miracles, cast out devils, bring the dead to life. And when you're done, charge nothing for it. Freely you have received, freely give. Sadly, for some churches and ministries today, it's the charging nothing that becomes the real miracle. Not once did our Lord Jesus ever use his power to pad his pockets. Everything Jesus did was free of charge. No one ever paid Jesus for services rendered. He never hired himself out or solicited funds or charged an appearance fee or even mailed out an invoice. Jesus gave to people freely. What if Jesus had opened up a practice, hung up a shingle, healer for hire, Savior at your service, forgiveness for a fee? He would have made a fortune. People would have flocked to buy his miracle power. Yet per gratis was Jesus' modus operandi. Everywhere Jesus went, whatever Jesus did, it was an expression of God's grace. Every miracle was a divine handout. Jesus' hands were always reaching out. And that was especially true with the very first Christmas that God orchestrated. It, too, included quite a light celebration. God hung a spotlight over Bethlehem and specifically over the manger. A star in the sky guided the wise men hundreds of miles to worship the infant king. Imagine the bulbs and string that required. And the angels' announcements to the shepherds. I don't care how good the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra does Handel's Messiah. It would still be second rate compared to the concert that the heavenly host gave the shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem. And that doesn't even mention the main attraction. The almighty God who fills the heavens, he plants his left foot on one side of the universe and he plants his right foot on the other side of the universe at least a billion light years apart. And he doesn't even have to stretch. And yet this same massive God reduces himself to a human zygote, nestles into the uterine wall of a virgin girl, and grows into a baby ready to be born. That, my friends, is a far more impressive performance than any holiday laser show or s'mores on a fire pit. All the merriment of Christmas is present, pale in comparison to the miracle of that first Christmas. God pulled out all the stops, and he charged those he invited to the manger nothing to behold the miracle. The first Christmas was free indeed. There was no turnstile at the stable's entrance. When the shepherds arrived, no one asked them for a ticket. The heavenly host didn't count up the gate receipts. The first Christmas, after all its wonder and world-changing implications were tallied, was given freely. And think of all the Christmases since. Even your own personal Christmases. I'm sure we've all had some Christmases that were better than others, but I think most of us would admit that some of our fondest memories revolve around the Christmas season. Christmas is a bright spot in an otherwise dreary winter. It's often a happy time. It's certainly a family time. When even a dysfunctional tribe tends to come together. Before Charles Dickens wrote his famous story, A Christmas Carol, he said this about the Christmas season. Christmas is a good time, 
a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of when men and women open their shut-up hearts freely and think of people below them as they were fellow passengers to the grave. Though Christmas has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me some good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. Christmas does us all some good. Even those who aren't the most ardent worshipers. Christmas brings us back to what's important in life. It reminds us of the value of relationships and of the ideals that God wants us to live by throughout the year. At Christmas, we cease our obsession with winning and with warring. We put away ledgers and turn off calendars and power down and focus on people. We give, not take. Christmas, if only for one day, forces us to step off life's treadmill. Christmas is the season to be jolly. It's a magical time of year, especially if you're a Christian. The Christ child's Christmas journey from throne in heaven to the filth and fodder of that Bethlehem barn is a reminder of just how far God is willing to go to reveal his love and to patch our wounds and to pardon our sin. Talk about hands out. Could God have stretched his hands any farther? Our God is not a distant, way off, up there, somewhere kind of God. He really does care. And he cares enough to experience life from our perspective. Former New York Yankee manager Joe Torrey was once asked if managing baseball couldn't be done better above the playing field from a seat in the press box. You'd think a higher, a more panoramic view would give a manager a clearer perspective. But Torrey said that he preferred to stay seated in the dugout with his players. And he explained why. He says, upstairs, you can't look into the players' eyes. Hey, God wanted to look into our eyes, to really know us, and for us to know him. So much so, he laid aside his heavenly perks, and he clothed himself in flesh and blood and bone. And he joined the human predicament. Jesus is now a permanent member of the human family. The angels said the baby would be called Emmanuel or God with us. Christmas means we're never alone. God will never leave us or forsake us. Last Saturday, like many of you, I watched Atlanta United win the MLS Cup. And I noticed owner Arthur Blank on the sidelines. You see, Arthur has been criticized for leaving his luxury skybox and appearing on the field at both Falcons games and at five-stripe games. He likes to fraternize with his players and hang with the fans. He likes to make himself out as one of the guys. I wonder what Blanks' critics would have said when the owner of the universe left his heavenly skybox, put on human hair and muscle and epidermis, and joined us on the sidelines, even played in the game. Once I read a quote by Arthur Blank where he explained his actions. <coughs> he offered the reason that Jesus would have given for coming into our world. Arthur told a reporter, I will never own any organization where I can't be close to the people of that organization and be open about my affection for them. That's who I am. And that's the atmosphere that I want here. 
And that's the atmosphere that God created on that first Christmas. God became human like us. He came onto the pitch to prove his affection for all of humanity. See, here's my point. This whole idea of Christmas, the goodwill it brings, the message it communicates, joy to the world and peace on earth, the charity that comes with Christmas is all God's gift to hurried humans. The Christmas season and all the meaning that's attached to it, it's a God-given handout. See, the best gift you'll get this year you've already gotten, it's Christmas. Last week, I talked to you about a hands-off Christmas and our tendency to allow gift-giving and materialism to overshadow the real meaning of Christmas. Often, the stuff of Christmas can overwhelm the spirit of Christmas. But that doesn't mean that God is against gift-giving. Christmas is all about giving. And as Jesus said here, giving freely. Jesus is the greatest gift, a Savior for those who desperately need one. There is no more fitting a gift. And a whole season of focus on Him is a marvelous gift as well. Here's a few verses that remind us that Christmas is a gift from God. Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Ephesians 5 verse 2, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. Above all, Christmas is the gift of Christ to us. Not only was the first Christmas a gift, God intends for all Christmases to be a gift of his grace. This Christmas is a gift from God to you. And there are blessings attached that you'll discover only if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Only if you're sensitive to the giver. Thus, in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus told his disciples, Freely you have received, he was talking about all God's blessings toward us, including Christmas. You could say the first Christmas was a hands-out Christmas. It was God reaching out his hands to humankind further than any of us ever dreamed he would. Christmas is about God being who he is, him giving and reaching and caring and sharing, and his holy hands out toward the people he created. Christmas forever shatters the myth of God being an aloof God, like a stern, uncaring old man in heaven with his hands folded against his chest. Or a stingy God with his hands stuck in his pockets. Or an angry God with his hands clenched into fists. No, the correct picture of God is that of a loving father with his hands outstretched, reaching and bending and loving and touching and healing and giving. Think of the father in Luke chapter 15 that Jesus used to illustrate the nature of our heavenly father. The father in his story was quick and eager to receive his prodigal son when the boy came to his senses and turned from his rebellion and shuffled his way back home. Before the youngest son could even explain himself, the dad had already grabbed him and hugged him and kissed him. And when the boy finally uttered the words, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight 
and am no longer worthy to be called your son. It didn't deter the dead one iota. He immediately called for his best robe, a ring and sandals for the boy's feet, even barbecue for a party, saying, Let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That was the father's heart. And it was Jesus, the storyteller's desire to prove that this is God's heart toward us. And yet that attitude that's often prevalent at Christmas time is is more like the older son in the story. You remember him? You remember he had an opposite kind of an attitude. He had a you owe me and I owe you kind of attitude. There was no grace in his heart. He immediately focused on what he deserved and on what his brother didn't. He was angry his brother couldn't waste could waste away the family fortune and then be forgiven without first having to pay for his mistakes. If anybody deserved a party, it was him, not the prodigal. I believe the older brother in Jesus' story could have written the lyrics, He knows if you've been good or bad, so be good for goodness sake. As if Christmas and its blessings were only for those who deserved them, rather than freely given and freely received. The older brother was unfamiliar with the father's heart, a hands-out heart, full of grace, full of giving. Yet this is truly the heart and the posture of our God. In his book, A Gentle Thunder, Max Licato depicts God's love for us in the most winsome way. He writes these words, If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he listens. He can live anywhere in the universe and he chooses your heart. And the Christmas gift he sent you in Bethlehem, face it, God is crazy about you. In Matthew chapter 10, the true Christmas spirit is summed up in a single sentence. Jesus told his disciples, Freely you have received, freely give. And that's what Christmas is about. Receiving freely from God, then giving freely to others. Not only was the first Christmas a hands-out Christmas, but God wants every Christmas to be hands-out, even this one. Before we go further, though, let me make a distinction. There is a difference between a handout and a hands out. In a sense, all God's gifts are handouts. But Christmas is more than just a handout. It's a hands out. You know, we define a handout as something free of charge. It's given with no strings attached. Nothing of merit is exchanged for a handout. And certainly all God's gifts are handouts. They were purchased by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. They come to us by faith alone. But Christmas was more than a handout. It was a hands out. If all God wanted to do was give us a handout, he would have appointed an exact time and place. And he would have had everyone on earth gather at that spot. Then he would have opened up heaven and sort of dumped out all the supplies, all his blessings upon us. A handout can be cold and impersonal and mechanical. It's like taking a food basket to a needy family. 
You drop it off. You leave them to eat it. All the while, they're wondering where their next meal is going to come from. You see, a handout eases a person's pain in the short run, but it fails to provide them much hope over the long term. But Christmas is more than a handout. It's a hands out. God gave us more than a one-time gift that first Christmas, more than a single night of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. God gave us himself. He wrapped himself in human wrapping paper. And he equipped his son with hands that would keep reaching out to each of us in ongoing ways. Jesus' greatest act was when he stretched his hands out on a Roman cross and allowed the soldiers to hammer in the nails. Our salvation was paid for by a hands-out act. And now 2,000 years later, Jesus still stretches out his hands toward us. The Lord reaches into our hearts. Emmanuel is still with us, giving and healing and blessing. In fact, the next time we'll see our Lord Jesus, his hands will be outstretched to greet us. I've been told that in Korea, when folks give gifts, they do it with both hands. It communicates to the recipient that they're not holding anything back. They're giving gifts that represent all they can afford. They're giving all they can offer. I'm sure in Korea they would call Jesus a two-handed present. What more could God extend to us, to his creation, than his only son? And he was given freely. And this is our mission at Christmas time. Freely you have received, now freely give. Just as God freely reaches out to us, now we need to freely reach out to the people around us. It reminds me of Alex. Duvalis. Alex is a Cuban who fled to America on a rickety boat with 27 other refugees. A year later, Alex heard of another group of 14 Cubans who made it to America on an 18-foot raft. These desperate people had floated for days with little water. They only had a few rusted cans of processed meat to eat. They finally washed ashore on Key Largo. And when Alex saw them, he made the comment, I felt like I had just arrived. He recalled his time of getting to America. And he saw them. He identified with them. I felt like I had just arrived here myself, he said. And here's what this 25-year-old did. On a dishwasher's salary, Alex gathered all the Christmas gifts under his tree and gave them to the new arrivals. His roommate said the refugees were wet and cold. Alex gave them the shirt off his back. Don't forget where you've come from this Christmas. See, here's where you don't have to do some heavy brainstorming or concoct some creative way to reach a lot of people with whom you're unfamiliar. Freely you have received, now freely give. You know where you were before Jesus entered your life and turned it around. And you don't have to look far to find someone in that exact same situation. You lost a loved one. But since then, you've discovered God's comfort and peace. You struggled financially for a time. But now you've seen God pull pull through and provide you what you need. You had a tough time finding a job. But today, you get a regular paycheck. You battled with cancer. Oh, you battled. And now you're enjoying 
a season of remission. You recently got married, but you can still recall the loneliness of being single through the holidays. Last year, in the midst of your bereavement or your hardship or your loneliness, wouldn't it have been nice if a family had invited you to share in their Christmas celebration? Maybe this year, you can be the one who extends the hospitality. Maybe it's your turn to help out the fellow who lost his job or can't afford gifts for his kids. Maybe you can be the initiator this Christmas. Jesus said, since we freely received, we should freely give. Christmas is the time to look over your shoulder and recall the folks who are struggling with the same issues that you faced. True Christmas cheer seeks to be shared. This Christmas, why don't you give the gift of love? Once there was a monk who came to the aid of a needy traveler. He gave this sojourner a precious stone that he could sell for funds and he could get some money so he could get back home. Well, a few days later, the traveler came back to the monk to return the jewel. He'd been so impressed with the compassion and generosity the monk had shown him. He said that he could never sell this jewel. In fact, he put it back in the hand of the monk and he asked him, Now please, give me something much more precious than this stone. Give me what enabled you to give it away. He sought the gift of God's grace. If you want to add something to your gift list this year, then why don't you ask God to make you a grace-filled person? After World War II, Europe and England began picking up the pieces. Nations that had been devastated by the ravages of war saw that one of the chilling effects were the scores and scores of orphaned children. Early one morning, an American soldier was driving through the streets of London when he spotted an orphan boy pressing his nose against the window of a pastry shop. The GI could hear the rumblings of the little boy's starving belly crying out for those piping hot pastries. He stopped his Jeep. He went into the store. He bought a bag full of goodies. And then he handed them to the kid. The soldier was just about to walk off when the little guy looked up at him and asked, Mister, are you God? Well, you see, we're never more like God than when our hands are outstretched and they're giving to the people around us. If you want to make the most of Christmas, then make sure it's not about what you get, it's about what you give. It's true. Christmas is love in action. Every time we love, every time we give, it's Christmas time. A true Christmas celebration is always hands out. Earlier I read John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But 1 John 3.16 is just as vital. And the content of the two verses are so interrelated, it's appropriate they carry the same address. John 3.16 tells us how much God loves us. And 1 John 3.16 tells us that since He does, we should give ourselves to one another. In his letter, John puts it this way, By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
This is the glory of Christmas. Freely you have received, now freely give. The wise men stretched out their hands and gave to Jesus gold and frankincense and myrrh. The shepherds gave the newborn king their praise and proclamation. The angels delivered a message and gave good news to eager ears. Mary gave Jesus a home for nine months and a mom for a lifetime. While Joseph made sure that God's instructions were followed and his son's physical needs were met. If you notice, everyone in the Christmas story was giving in some way. And giving freely, I might add. And that's why I ask us, what are we giving this Christmas? Not what are we exchanging tit for tat. Not... You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. This is what I'm giving you, so this is what you're giving me. No. What are we really giving freely and graciously this Christmas? Reminds me of a wife who couldn't think of a gift to give her husband. They recently had attended their son's wrestling match. His team had squared off with an inner city squad of poor kids. Well, since their son's team was better equipped and well-trained, they won every match that day. And the outcome had upset her husband. Mike wished that the poor kids had prevailed in at least one of the matches. He knew how disheartened they all must have felt. That's when his wife came up with Mike's Christmas present. She went to the sporting goods store and she bought miscellaneous headgear and wrestling shoes and then sent them anonymously to the inner city team. She put an envelope in the Christmas tree telling her husband what she'd done and that this was her gift to him. Well, on Christmas morning when Mike read the note, he couldn't stop beaming. Her gift was Mike's favorite. Well, a Christmas tradition was born that day. Every Christmas thereafter, there was always an envelope for Mike in the Christmas tree. One year, his wife sent a group of mentally impaired children to a hockey game. Another year, a check went to a family whose house had burned down. On and on it went. Though her kids were always grateful for their gifts, every year, Dad's envelope was the main attraction. But this Christmas tale doesn't end there. I want you to listen to Mike's wife as she finishes her story. She writes, We lost Mike last year to cancer. And when Christmas rolled around, I was so wrapped up in grief I barely got the tree up. But Christmas Eve found me placing an envelope in the tree. And on Christmas morning, it was joined by three more envelopes. Each of our kids, unbeknownst to the others, placed an envelope in the tree for dad. See, this wife had blessed her husband while he was alive. Together, they had left a legacy. They had taught their kids that Christmas should be celebrated hands out. You know, one of a parent's greatest Christmas joys is to see the look on their child's face when they open their gift. The smile that that child wears is priceless. Could it be it's that same smile that God loves? That this is why God is so giving and gracious? That's what one author was thinking when he wrote the following words. Have you wondered why God gives us so much? We could exist on far less. He could have left the world flat and gray. We wouldn't have known the difference. But he didn't. Did he have to make the squirrel's tail furry? 
Was he obliged to make the birds sing in the funny way that chickens scratch? Or the majesty of thunder when it rings? Why give a flower fragrance? Why give food its taste? Could it be God loves to see that look upon your face? This is exactly what Jesus taught us about God. In Matthew 7 verse 11, we get a glimpse into the Father's heart. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Like any father, God in heaven derives enormous joy by giving gifts to His children. The look on our face when He blesses us causes God's heart to rejoice. And this is one of the reasons that giving to others is so contagious. It's so wonderful to thrill and surprise a needy person with a gift they don't deserve is a heavenly, godly experience indeed. This is why Christmas is the perfect time for bearing the hatchet and extending forgiveness and extending second chances. You rob yourself by keeping your hands folded on your chest rather than reaching them out to others. In 1866, a man named John Whittier, he penned a poem that's as true today as it was when written. Somehow, not only for Christmas, but all the long year through, the joy that you give to others is the joy that comes back to you. And the more you spend in blessing the poor and lonely and sad, the more of your heart's possessing returns to make you glad. One of the few times Jesus gets quoted outside the Gospels is in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. There Jesus is recorded as saying, It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Many of us have quoted that verse our whole lives long. This Christmas, why don't we experience it firsthand? Let's test the truth of that verse by getting our hands out. Hey, this Christmas... Let's put into practice, freely you have received, so freely give. If this year you want to experience your best Christmas ever, hands down, then why don't you make it a hands-out Christmas?